The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, talking NL West prospects you need to know, and that's fitting because the NL West, uh, the top team, top dogs in the NL West, just pulled off a blockbuster. Dodgers acquiring Mookie Betts, David Price as well, Luis Renjifo in a separate deal. General thoughts on on this, uh, I guess, these trades by the Dodgers. I think that they make a lot of sense for all the parties involved. If you just go in under the assumption that the Red Sox were going to move Mookie Betts, regardless, you know, I don't. We don't have to get too into the fact that you and I both think uh, they should not have been looking to move him. They should be willing to to spend whatever it took to keep him. But uh, that's just not really the point of this podcast. Um, you know, I think it it makes sense for. For all the teams, there's some pretty obvious fantasy implications to the deal, especially on the pitching side. Yeah, so just to break this down, the Dodgers get Mookie Betts, David Price, uh, take on a, a good chunk of change, but they're getting significant cash with those two players, right? 
Um, yeah, the Dodgers are getting a bunch of cash for the David Price deal. This opens up flexibility for the Red Sox, who acquire Alex Verdugo, Bruce Star, Gratterall. And we were talking a little bit off the air about Verdugo and where he might slot into that lineup. What do you think? Right away, does he hit top third of that order? I think he should eventually hit either first or second against righties. I think he's uh, probably a better pure hitter at this point than Andrew Benintendi. And it's it's unclear who's going to lead off against the lefties. Maybe Xander Bogarts, if they just want to have uh, a stud up top, maybe they, they see how Verdugo can do against righties and lefties. But, um, you know, kind of regardless of where he hits – I think it's reasonable to give him a slight playing time bump just because the Dodgers have much more depth than the Red Sox. So I think he becomes a, a true everyday player in Boston. Nice. And we all know about the hit tool with Alex Verdugo. The power coming along? Or where do you see the the home run totals settling in, in the years to come for Verdugo? I think he's kind of a 20-homer guy, uh, but he's just 23 years old. And, you know, he's been really really good at making contact and you know hitting for a decent average given how young he's been in his stops in the big leagues so uh, maybe there's more power than that in the tank I think you know this year I would probably project under 20 home runs from him under 10 steals but you know two three years down the line I could see him being a 20 homer guy and Bruce Star Gratterall we know about that arm certainly an electric arm what do you think do you think the Red Sox experiment with with transitioning him back to a starter is it bullpen all the way from here uh i think that he's probably going to be in you know kind of developed as a starter at least stretched out in spring training uh to some extent i I think that they know they're smart enough to know that he probably can't hold up under a true starter's workload so maybe it's something like you know maybe they try to go for like 120 inning type of role with him uh but I think for fantasy, we the best case scenario with him, the best realistic case scenario with him is that he becomes their closer at some point soon. He could be awesome in that role. He's got a, a monster sinker a plus slider. I mean, that's like he's ready to get guys out in the big league bullpen. It just kind of depends how quickly they want to make that transition. And they're not loaded with uh, electric arms in that pen, and they're obviously going to try to contend this year. So uh, maybe it does make sense to just pull the plug on him as a starter right away. I certainly wouldn't have any issues if they did that. I think that that's where he's going to end up uh, at some point sooner or later. You know, you say they're going to try to contend, and the players on the field, the manager, whoever that is, they still don't have a manager, uh, they're going to be trying to compete. But is this organization, like, are there other players at risk of being moved here, like Jackie Bradley maybe, Uh, J.D. Martinez? I think they were shopping uh, plenty of guys this offseason. I think that they're definitely trying to – get out from under some of the uh, contracts that the the old regime left them. But I, I think that this is probably what they go into the season with. Like, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of these guys are, are Heim Bloom type of guys. Like, I don't, I don't think he's someone that would love to have Michael Chavis playing second base for him or, or anything like that. I don't, I don't think a guy with Jackie Bradley's offense is someone who he had ideally be giving every day at bats to, but, uh, you know, I think the the market just isn't really there for some of the other guys, so I, I don't really expect them to make too many other moves. I, what they really need is help in that rotation. I mean, it, the back of it now looks just really flimsy. 
but I'm not really sure how they go about uh, patching that up. So you're not expecting this to be the start of a full-fledged teardown uh, by Bloom, But, yeah, looking at the back end of that starting staff, Hector Velasquez, maybe. I saw our beat writer for the Red Sox got a Tanner Houck note. Um, Houck moved to the bullpen once he advanced to AAA, so I don't know if that's the case. I, I don't know who else they could ha- they could realistically deploy in that starting rotation. I mean, you're really relying on – Martin Perez and Nathan Ivaldi being yeah, good uh, grief. guys that start free every fifth day all season long. So uh, that, that, that part's going to be tough. Uh, but I think, you know, Gratterall, the Twins obviously had kind of seen enough of, of him and, and just his durability issues. Uh, the writing had been on the wall f- with him for quite a while that he wasn't going to make it as a traditional starter. I, I guess I wouldn't rule out something – kind of in the the raise mold where he gets three innings four innings that type of thing but uh ideally he ends up in the in the ninth inning for them so any other big fantasy takeaways you got here you're going to be in on ross stripling now that he's with the angels or maybe kenta maeda now that the dodgers can't manipulate his uh incentives and his contract yeah i mean i think i'm going to bump maeda up around 40 extra innings as a starter after the trade i i was going to have him sort of splitting time between the bullpen and rotation if he remained in the in LA but I think the twins will give him you know around 160 innings or so as a starter uh if he stays healthy that's a big if I think part of the reason the Dodgers handled him the way they did is they probably didn't think he could hold up as a 170 180 inning guy uh stripling obviously give him a a nice bump up because he wasn't even guaranteed to make any starts for the Dodgers this year Mm -hmm. so he's a a big, big winner, but again, these are guys, you can't just say, well, this guy does this over 110 innings, so think what it'll do over 180 innings. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah. obviously, there's going to be uh, diminishing returns, typically, if you if you ask a guy to pitch, you know, an extra 70 innings, then he's then he's used to pitching. Uh, but still, I mean, Ross Stripling, Kenta Maeda, easy mixed league guys. I mean, I, I, you'd have to be in a super shallow format for those guys to not see a uh, a significant boost in value after this trade. Uh, I think the Dodgers were really smart to trade Andy Pages. I don't know what type of prospect they're going to be getting back from the Angels in that one, but I think his values probably peaked this offseason. His numbers in the Pioneer League are fool's gold to me. I mean, he's just always been a guy that hits the ball in the air too much. Uh, you know, strikeout rate soared for him, but the production soared because of the Pioneer League. But uh, I think he's going to. Uh, probably really struggle this year against full season pitching. And Jock, I I guess Jock may be in line for more playing time now, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Like his average could really suffer with more exposure to lefties. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of one of those format dependent guys. If you're in a daily moves league where you can just plug him in whenever they're facing a righty, that's awesome. But if you're in one of those, you know, one week set it and forget it leagues you're gonna definitely have um some issues if if they start them against lefties i'm I'm interested to see who the other piece going back from the angels is in this i think it could be one of their better prospects you know maybe someone like brandon marsh maybe someone like jordan adams there's there's definitely going to be something else of significant value going back to the dodgers in this nice well before we dive in on the nl west prospects you need to know and get back to the dodgers um, the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational first year player draft kicked off on Monday. Um, I realized after the draft got underway that I traded my first round pick. 
Uh, so this has been just hell. Sitting here for two days, hoping to make a pick. Coming up soon, five picks. I'm excited. Um, any surprises for you in the early goings of this first-year player draft? Um, you know, Nick Lodolo was the first pitcher off the board. I've, I've seen, you know, there isn't really a consensus there. To me, it, it should be George Kirby. Uh, he was the second pitcher off the board. I think Robert Poisson went a little early. Uh, not surprised that Rob Silver took Shogo. Uh, he's in permanent win now mode. I like that we're just on a first name basis with him already. <laughs> but yeah, that is a on brand pick by Rob. Very much in win now mode. Right. Uh, I think the the two best values so far were Luis Rodriguez and Maximo Acosta back to back. Wilson Caraman getting Rodriguez at twenty two and DVR getting Acosta at twenty three. I thought those guys were both uh, borderline top fifteen options in this draft so i thought those were good values i mean there were we were a couple picks away from me texting ian and, and seeing if we wanted to trade in to try to get one of those guys so i was glad they didn't fall too far uh but yeah i mean i think it's pretty much gone like you would expect a, a first year player draft to go yeah i was kind of hoping yoshi tsutsugo might get to me in the second round uh he went 29th well, he, he wasn't gonna get past rob and rob's picking right oh that's true yeah i'm in a similar spot as rob where you know it'd be nice to get one of those top guys and like jason dominguez or somebody like that but now we're kind of at the at the point in the pool where might as well start adding some some win now pieces um yeah i i'm really anxious to see who's still there once I once I come up, I got three guys in the queue right now. But let's uh, talk about the NL West. You wrote about them with last week's article. Um, really good stuff. How many prospects did you detail in that Farm Futures? Uh, one hundred and forty-six. That's a large number, and we appreciate the diligence, James. We're not going to touch on a hun- all one hundred forty-six, obviously. Uh, but we'll start with the Dodgers and their top one hundred-ish guys. Gavin Lux, of course, and you have him ahead of. Luis Robert on your overall rankings, and you like him. I mean, in a vacuum, there's a big ADP gap. But would you take Lux straight up over Luis Robert um, in some drafts this year? I would. I just i I'm not so terrified about stolen bases that I'm going to take Robert anywhere close to where he's going. Like, I, there's there's guys I like that are going to get me steals. They're not going to be as trendy as as Robert. But I mean, it, we're not talking about a situation where you get outside the top 60, 70 picks, and there's just nobody that's going to get you double-digit steals. And uh, So, yeah, I, I think Lux is a much, much, much better hitter than Robert right now. I think the power output in their rookie years will be fairly similar. I think Lux has a chance to hit uh, fairly high in that lineup at some point. I mean, it's it's a total joke that Roster Resource has Gavin Lux getting platoon this year. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Um, so don't don't look at that and be like, well, I can't can't draft a platoon guy. Where he's going? I mean, he. He's, and you also see on the projection systems like three hundred at bats. Yeah, like, that's yeah. that's insanity. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Lux is just better in pretty much every aspect except pure speed, and so uh, I just think it's too much of a tax on that speed to take Robert where he's going. That's interesting because when that question left my mouth, I was like, ah, eh, that is kind of a stretch. I think James would probably um, take Robert for twenty twenty, but you would actually take Lux over Robert straight up for twenty twenty. Yes. Interesting. Okay. I, I I moved Robert up, then down. I think they're probably both like 
around pick 100. Like, I know that's on the high end for Lux and way on the low end for Robert, but uh, maybe just outside the top 100, maybe where these guys should be going. Uh, Jeter Downs, of course, the big piece they got back for Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood. Um, not one I like to revisit here, but Jeter Downs' stock only continues to rise since landing with the Dodgers. How high is he now uh, among the prospect universe? Uh, he's right around 25th overall. He's, uh, you know, I, I liked him a lot before we started getting the, the hard hit data from Sports Info Solutions, but that really, yeah, I've got him 25th overall. Uh, you know, once we started getting that data, it was just like, wow, this guy's hitting the ball as hard as a lot of the corner infield guys are with the triple a baseball and he's doing it at double a as a middle infielder who's going to steal some bases really impressive stuff from him uh you know after i think his his final like 100 or so games split between high a and double a i mean he was hitting you know he's one of the four or five best hitters in the the minor leagues and the speed is debatable i don't i don't think he's a true plus runner but he's just one of those guys who's pretty good at stealing bases looks to steal bases often and so i think that we can comfortably project him for double digit steals early in his big league career uh the playing time situation is pretty complicated as it is with most dodgers position players uh i'd like it if jeter downs was included in some sort of well i wouldn't like the dodgers to get francisco lindor but i'd like him to be traded to an organization where he isn't quite as blocked but uh nonetheless i think he'll he'll find a way to to get pretty regular playing time even if it's as just a a super utility guy who eventually just plays so well that he just becomes really entrenched microsoft teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work we make bicycles for everyday riders once the pandemic hit we started doing virtual visits all of a sudden we could open up our showroom to customers around the world learn more at microsoft.com slash teams and with that mookie bets trade the dodgers rotation got a little bit more crowded with david price joining it but do you still like Dustin May to serve as a starter for most of this year? Well, did it get more crowded if they send out Maeda? Oh, and that's Stripling? right. I forgot. <laughs> I was thinking of Stripling in the bullpen. Um, but I, yeah, I guess I, that really isn't. I think so at, at worst, it's probably just nothing changes. And at best, you're just like, well, there's one more name out of the mix. Uh, I don't know. I, I think people. I think people are overthinking uh, this Dodgers rotation a little bit. You know, maybe you don't take Dustin May where he's going, at least not on the high end. Um, but I, you know, I, Dustin May's really good. He's he's big league ready. I think you can take him in mixed leagues and not uh, be that on edge about it. Um, I don't think Jimmy Nelson's a factor at all. I think that kind of like Tony Gonsolin, right? Yeah, I mean, he's okay. I mean, he's. Yeah. I, I think he's more of like in the swingman type of role. I wouldn't draft Tony Gonsolin in a 15-team mixer. Uh, I mean, Julio Arias is going to get the amount of innings he was going to get no matter what. Like, he's going to pitch around 130 innings in the big league rotation this year no matter what. So uh, you can just sort of take him knowing that maybe they do some stuff to manage his innings and you have to go weeks at a time without being able to deploy him, but – his innings were going to kind of be the same no matter what. I think Dustin May is kind of in that same boat. Um, you know, maybe they start the year with Alex Wood in the rotation, Dustin May at AAA. That would make some sense, but I, I just think Dustin May is going to get his big league starts. 
Clayton Kershaw, David Price, certainly no locks to avoid the injured list all season. Yeah, that's a good point. And even though they can't play the same type of 10-day IL games with it going back to 15, I do fully expect them to rest guys, keep a rotation there. So I expect Julio Urias, May, Alex Wood, Gonsolin to all be kind of rotated into that. Uh, those fourth and fifth spots. Uh, other prospects in the Dodgers system in the top 100 overall, uh, top 100-ish, Josiah Gray, Luis Rodriguez, and is it Cody Hosey? Yeah, I think so. Nice, okay. Uh, some sleepers in here, Zach McKinstry, Hyun Il Choi, and McKinstry kind of, at least for me, came out of nowhere and really put up a pretty good minor league season. A little bit old for the level? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, it, he's not a top 100 guy to me, but uh, he was impressive enough, I think, at Double A AA and Triple A that he's a top two hundred guy. The Dodgers kind of confirmed my belief of that when they protected him from the Rule Five draft. He's capable of playing second base, third base, left field, shortstop, so they can kind of move him all over. Uh, probably not a guy who figures prominently into the twenty twenty season, barring a bunch of injuries, but. I don't hate him as sort of a end of a draft and hold type of guy. And certainly I got to monitor like if, you know, they have a couple injuries and you hear McKinstry's getting the call and it looks like there might be some playing time. He's not a, a nothing prospect, but uh, just, just a guy that I think is, has earned to be in, inside the top 200 at this point and, and someone who's very much off the radar uh, in a lot of places. Yeah. I remember looking into him cause I thought maybe there was, you know, he was having a good year last year and I thought maybe, September call-up possible, but uh, did not get that. But still, can't take away from what he did last year in the minors. And a name for 2020, you like Edwin Rios. What do you see with Rios that you particularly like? Well, you know, I kind of liked him as a draft and hold guy before this trade. And then after it, I mean, you're taking away uh, one player that was in his way. I mean, you can say Mookie Betts and Verdugo maybe cancel each other out, but you know, getting Jack Peterson out of there uh, should allow Cody Bellinger to be, uh, you know, mostly a full-time outfielder. And then Max Muncy, obviously, at first base. But, you know, Edwin Rios was pretty elite in his limited time with the big league club last year. Uh, top five in average exit velocity and barrels per plate appearance. Uh, struck out too much, but... You know, to have that type of impact when he connects in his first uh, legitimate look in the big leagues, I think is pretty impressive. I think he can cut down the strikeout rate just just a tad. I mean, it doesn't have to be much. He's got seventy grade power to all fields. Just the type of guy where you know, if if he's hitting thirty plus homers for the Dodgers someday, I wouldn't be surprised. And you mentioned that we have minor league hard hit data on the site now forty two point eight percent at AAA. Uh, that's really good. Only a 12.8% uh, soft contact rate for Rios. And I, we just don't talk about that enough. It's a great feature we've added to Rotowire. And I'm excited. You know, Rios, 25, but he really is a nice draft and hold guy. And maybe an NL only um, mm-hmm. target as well, if you can stash him with a reserve pick. Let's move on to the Diamondbacks, James. Christian Robinson, you were on him. And I thank you for the heads up, like more than a year ago was able to land him in one dynasty league. How high has he risen, and what's the ceiling with Christian Robinson? Uh, he is 12th overall for me. 
Uh, I mean, he's just in this kind of glut of guys in my top 15 where it's just it's a big tier. Like I, I could see a case for him being top 10. I just think that there's there's maybe a bit more risk with him with the hit tool than there is with some of these other guys. But there's also probably more ceiling with him uh, than most guys on the top 400. You know, he could be a 40 homer guy someday. He could steal 20 plus bases. Uh, just a really, really exciting player, you know, just a, a rare type of athlete uh, for a baseball player. So, you know, there might be some bumps along the way. Wouldn't be surprised if maybe it takes him a bit to get going at certain levels. He's He came into pro ball less advanced than his Dominican counterparts coming from the Bahamas. Uh, so I think that he's going to move a little slower than your typical stud international prospect, uh, but the upside could be well worth it. Yeah, I saw a viral picture of Christian Robinson like at a club. Yeah, I like I, I like the swag grade. I, you know, I saw I saw some people saying, "Hey, stock up." You know, for me, stock neutral <laughs> at best. You know, I like my. You already knew the swag was there. I like. I I didn't need that picture to tell me he was swagging out. I'd like him to be kind of focused a little bit more. Is uh, he like how old is he? <laughs> uh, Can he even legally drink? Born in two thousand, so he. No, not 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 legal. Not legal to drink just yet. Well, we're not the police department no, here. But, we're, uh, we're not cops, but hey, you know. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't know. I just saw that somebody's like, well, raising him up the ranks. Um, I just thought that was funny because the kid's got like that star mindset. It seems he thinks he's a star already. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, also, top one hundred in this system, Corbin Carroll. Alec Thomas, Geraldo Perdomo, Dalton Varsho. Anything you want to mention with these guys? I know Varsho got a spring invite. Um, anybody here for 2020? Uh, I like I love Corbin Carroll. I mean, he's a stud. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo's awesome. Uh, Dalton Varsho, I know everyone's always tempted to try to take catching prospects when they get deep into these draft and hold leagues or maybe even like NL only. Uh, Varsho suffered a pretty serious, uh, I think it was an ankle injury, uh, playing winter ball. I would not be surprised if he was extremely limited this spring. I know he got a camp invite, but we'll, we'll see how he's doing physically. That's a tough injury, especially for a catcher. And, you know, he's not going to be a uh, – we, we talked a little bit about him in the catcher tiers. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a quality defender at catcher really ever. So – the hope is that he just gets enough playing time to qualify there. Fortunately, when he does debut, whenever that is, if it's this year or next year, he will have that eligibility, at least for that first year. But that skill set at really any other position, not not all that exciting, even though he can run a little bit. Yeah, I mean, a 15-15 a catcher is pretty awesome. Oh, a yeah. 15-15 left fielder. It's like Brett Gardner. Still still useful, <laughs> but but hardly hardly awesome. Absolutely. Well, before we continue on, a quick word from our sponsor, Fantrax. Sick of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open up your league? Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about? Uh, don't worry about having to hope he's in the player pool. With Fantrax, they offer over 10,000 players in the pool, and if they don't have him... They will add them for you. No more placeholders. 
Uh, do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners? Fantrax have, has you covered with the Treasurer product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you all 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. Um, Blake Walston has some helium. He is who he thought he was. John Duplantier. Uh, Duplantier doesn't seem like there's room for him in the bullpen and or in the rotation. And I would expect a full-time move to the bullpen pretty soon. Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks have enough rotation depth that it's it's not really worth kind of forcing this much longer. And they just they need to keep him healthy. And I think the best way to do that is a move to the bullpen. Um, you know, I I believe them when they say Archie Bradley's going to be the the primary guy this year, but maybe a year or two down the road. I mean, Duplantier definitely has late inning stuff. Mm. Yeah, kind of like Kevin Ginkle. They also brought in who Hector Rendon. Um, We'll see about Bradley. He was he was okay for once he got into the role for a while, but um, I'm always hesitant to expect a full season of closing from Archie Bradley. Let's move on to the Rockies, James. Top 100 is prospects here. Sam Hilliard, Brendan Rodgers. Hilliard's tough because they got a bit of a, I don't know if you'd really call it a log jam, but they got some outfielders there who are, Roadblocks, albatrosses, you could say. Yeah. Does Sam Hilliard start the year with a prominent role in the minors? What What do you expect from Hilliard to begin 2020? Uh, I think that it's going to be up and down early in the season. You might even see him dropped in a lot of leagues early in the season. That would not surprise me at all. He's not a, a high-priority target for me in 2020 redraft leagues. He is a high-priority guy for me in dynasty leagues. I think eventually the cream rises to the top and he becomes uh, one of their better position players. But, you know, th- this is an organization that at least one prospect they're going to really annoy us with how they use them, and usually it's two or three. I think Hillier definitely falls in that camp early in the season. But Rymel Tapia is just not good. Ian Desmond's not good. Eventually he'll get some work. So I think, you know, whether it's May, maybe even we have to wait till June. At some point, I think he'll be playing uh, almost every day. And he's no longer prospect eligible, but Garrett Hampson, uh, I just want to bring him up because he's kind of in that mix too, or maybe super util. We just don't know how to project the playing time. Big fantasy disappointment last year, uh, Garrett Hampson. But are you still in on him? Like if you – are you going to be taking him? You said Hilliard's not a, a priority, but is Hampson on your radar for 2020? Um, I want to pull up his ADP really quick. Um, that's to me, that's the question. Like, mm-hmm. if if you really have to pay up for the, for the speed, uh, he might not be a priority. Yeah, so he's he's 171 in ADP. Uh, going around Encarnacion, Willie Calhoun, Jose Leclerc. J- Justin Turner. I mean, I don't, I don't know at that at that price. I think it'd make more sense to take someone like even Herman Marquez or Justin Turner or Chris Davis, JD Davis there, just to kind of have a bit more uh, certainty. Uh, actually, you know, I prefer Ryan McMahon over Hampson for for redraft leagues because I think he, I think he's going to play more initially. Uh, he's got the platoon advantage. He qualifies at second base and third base, uh, and he's going just after McMahon, or just after uh, 
Hampson. So I guess I probably won't have much Hampson this year. I think it could pay off, but I think there's also a chance that you have to wait a little too long for it to pay off. So I, I can't really see taking him quite as high as he's going. Yeah, he had a red-hot September, hit over 300, stole some bags, and uh, you just don't know how much that affords him, like if, if at all, if that got him in the good graces or, or what he's how he's viewed by the team and, entering 2020. And uh, another guy that I would absolutely take over him and that is going to fill the exact same stuff you're looking for from Hampson is Lorenzo Cain, who's going about 15 spots after Hampson. I mean, I think, you know, at least with Kane, you know he's playing – almost every day coming off a season where he's playing through lower body injuries all year. I I think Kane gets up over 20 steals again. And I think the batting average and OBP bounce back and you really don't have to pay a ton to to take that gamble. Yeah. Kane stole 18 bags, even though he was hurt. Um, That's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, Yeah. We talked on the XM show last week about the steals guys in this range and, um, you know, if you don't, I, I'm with you. I'd take Lorenzo Kane, but if you don't get him, or maybe Buxton, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I yeah. could see having to take the sure. plunge on him. Yeah, there there gets to be a point. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not going to Kevin take, Newman. I'm not going to take Luis Robert where he's going because there's guys that I think I can get later who are going to steal bases. But if you get to this, you know, late like uh, middle rounds of the draft, the 160, 170, 180 range, you kind of can't keep waiting like you can't be like well i don't like the price on this guy if you don't have your steals at that point you do kind of have to uh, take some dives on guys like hampson so yeah if you miss out on those guys sure but i i have a feeling i would get at least one of kane or buxton in this range and would not have to roll that dice yeah that'd definitely be one where you have to hold your nose but the payoff could be huge i mean it could be big and like I don't know if I like my guy like Malik Smith over him. Oh, no. I, I would take Hampson over Smith, yeah. for sure. Uh, it's just, you know, with Hampson, Rockies, who knows. But if like if he has a really good camp, he'll probably open the year with a, a pretty prominent role. I mean, his ability to play center field better than any of their other uh, options out there is important. His ability to play multiple spots in the infield. Yeah, so one way or another – Maybe he occupies kind of a Scott Kingery role for them, and he's playing almost every day, just not in the same spot. So, I mean, there's definitely ways it could pay off. I just would probably rather bank what I think I can get from Kane. Yeah, I'm with you there. Kane over Hampson, and preferably you get your speed early, but I've definitely been backed into a corner with speed in a few drafts, and Hampson has been in consideration. Um, Brendan Rodgers, certainly a big-name prospect. Not a lot of success so far at the big league level. Was also hurt last year. What are your expectations for Brendan Rodgers this year? You know, maybe he gets a chance at some point. Uh, you know, I think he's behind uh, McMahon, behind Hampson. I don't know what's going to happen with the Nolan Arenado thing. That, you know, Nolan Arenado trade would be huge for Brendan Rodgers because I think he could fit in nicely over at third base for them. Uh, don't expect the batting average to be great, but Coors Field would help that. You know, I think maybe like a true talent 240 hitter as a rookie, Coors Field probably pops that up a little bit over 250, and then, uh, you know, maybe he could hit 20 homers as a rookie. I, I'm not super high on him, but I uh, think he's he's close enough that in 2020 leagues you can at least keep an eye on what he's doing. The Mookie Betts trade we 
kind of had an idea that that was probably going to happen. We've heard rumors all off season, and then it kind of materialized and was finalized in a matter of days. Do you sp- still expect Arenado to be moved? I just think there's a lot going on in that front office right now. I think the GM is fighting to keep his job. Uh, hey, 93 wins coming? <laughs> well, look, the, an- the analytics department uh, came in and, you know, they told them they're going to win 93 wins or they, 93 games. They dropped them on the table and said 93. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. I, just, I also saw the owner say that that Arenado thing was overblown. Well, maybe um, maybe now that the owner had uh, his crack analytics team tell him they're going to win 93 games, what's why would you trade Arenado off a 93-win team? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so maybe I they're mean, just, yeah, they're set. I mean, They're all set. They're can't, good. Can't ask for much more than 93 wins. I mean... <laughs> That may be like 20 more than they actually do. <laughs> um, maybe not 20, but... Uh, it might be. It might be. Yeah, this is a good division. Gonna, like yeah. the, I think there, there are three teams, I think, that are clearly better than them in this division, and the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and Padres. Well, they could trade Arenado and still be like an 85 win. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> if they trade Arenado, they may be worse than they like the Pirates. They fortify that staff, maybe even win hey, more than 93 Yeah, games. I like the sound of that. Now, an underrated prospect here you, you name as... Well, Aaron Shunk, you point to as an underrated prospect here. What do you like about Shunk's skill set? Yeah, he was a two-way guy at Georgia. Uh, The Rockies liked him better as a position player, and he's athletic. Unlike, you know, this system's just loaded with guys who were drafted as third baseman and just couldn't really hack it over there and now are over at first base. Shunk actually could be an above-average defender at third base, maybe even a plus defender. He's, he's obviously got the arm, having been a pitcher, and he's, he's pretty athletic. Uh, really impressed by what he did in his pro debut just from a, a handling the strike zone standpoint. And you know he's going to put up big numbers in Asheville and Lancaster. So, like, you don't have to worry, is his value going to plummet over the next year or two? It, it probably won't because he'll be playing in those ballparks. So just the fact that he has the defensive edge over – almost everyone ahead of him on the org depth chart is is nice to have. I want to move on to the Padres because a lot of interesting names to touch on here, but of course check out James's full farm futures article if we you know if there's a prospect uh, from these teams we've already gone over who we didn't touch on that you want to to read about. Uh Padres CJ Abrams. I know you're really high on Abrams. Um I think he went what where do you go in this first year player he went draft? Third, third to DBR. It was a good pick. Yeah, that's a nice pick. Um and you actually like Abrams more than Mackenzie Gore in the system. Yeah, I mean, these are for fantasy. Yeah. And I I know it's tempting to put the pitchers you love super high on your lists, but, uh, I mean, C.J. Abrams has the upside to be a first-round pick uh, in his prime years. Maybe Mackenzie Gore can get there, like if everything breaks right. But Mackenzie Gore is not going to get there anytime soon. Like, I mean, we'd be talking four or five years down the road before Gore is even close to a first round pick. Abrams could be a first round pick in like his second year in the big leagues because he could be a 40 steal guy who hits for high average and hits 15 to 20 homers. So um, I'm going to go with the position player there every time when I'm that high on the position player. And it doesn't really have anything to do with Mackenzie Gore. I just. When you when you describe what C.J. Abrams is good at, it's just an absolutely perfect fit for fantasy. Yeah, and rotisserie. In right. Part- yeah, because of the, the steals, which you don't necessarily need in head-to-head or best ball. Uh, but in roto, yeah, Abrams, kind of like a Trey Turner 
type of skill set? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's that type of that type of skill set. And with Gore, I mean we've said this before, but just go look at James's top prospects of the decade uh, that you wrote up at the close of 2019, and uh, just to check that out and get a few cautionary tales. If you want to get a, if you were wondering why James isn't as high on some some every, pitching prospects, every failed like elite pitching prospect who failed has had a point where their stock was as high as Mackenzie Gore's is right now. Right. Like it doesn't, doesn't always mean that it's going to come to fruition. And uh, I still like Forrest Whitley more. And Luis Patino also in the system, Taylor Trammell hanging on to a top 100 rank. Hanging on being the key word there. Uh, Barely. Yeah. Let me, let me dig up where I've got, um, yeah, I got him at 98. So just, just just sneaking in there, just barely. Uh, Seems like a good kid, but man, I'm with you. I just don't really see it being like a superstar skill set. It it would be a completely different thing if he was an awesome center fielder. Like if he was his, if he was uh, not even Christian Pache in in center field, but just a guy that was probably going to be a plus center field. Like if he was Josh Lowe in center field, it'd be one thing because he wouldn't have to hit for a ton of power. You could kind of deal with some middling offense, but the fact that he, you know, needs to probably play a corner on a team that's trying to be competitive, uh, I just don't think the back gets there. So they got some guys who are knocking on the door, at least getting close to helping and contributing at the big league level. Goes deep, pretty pretty deep in the system too, though. And you like some of the teenagers at the lower levels. Yeah, a lot of teenagers to to love in this system. Really, in all these systems, maybe. You know, even the Rockies. The Rockies love their old college guys. They love uh, slowly promoting 22, 23, 24-year-olds. But even they've got some interesting guys in the lower level. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend checking the article out if you're looking for some deep names. And this giant system, really one of the more exciting, you know, in all the major leagues. And what a turnaround it's been because uh, this influx has really kind of happened since Farhan Zaidi took over, right? Yeah, you know, he doesn't get all the credit because the, the previous regime, uh, I think they were... Did they signed Luciano? They were the ones that were overseeing operations when Luciano agreed to be a giant. Uh, I think they drafted Joey Bart, too. Um, might be wrong about that, but I mean, it, it was definitely a, co- a collaborative effort between the two regimes. I don't want to shortchange... Uh, yeah, that's fair. The people that were there before uh, Farhan, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really taken off, and they're going to theoretically be picking pretty high again. You know, I, I think they've had kind of a, a weird off season where they they're bringing in a decent amount of veterans. Uh, you know, I guess it's better than just completely bottoming out. But uh, I'd be tempted if I were them to try to get another top five pick. Uh, we'll see if that happens. But yeah, I mean, the system is trending towards being at least a top three system probably by the end of this year, and it could even be the number one system in the game at some point. So Marco Luciano, Joey Bart, Luis Matos, Hunter Bishop, Helio Ramos, Alexander Canario, Will Wilson, all top 100 prospects for you. And Will Wilson, that was one where they basically just, um, by bringing on Zach Cozart's contract and then subsequently DFA and Cozart, um, they basically just acquired Will Wilson with their willingness to to eat that contract. That's that's what nothing would make me happier as a fan of a team than my team doing what they did where they're just like we're gonna buy this prospect and yeah we're we're loaded with money we print money 
and we're going to spend some of it to, to help beef up the farm system. I think every team should have been trying to do that. Getting some breaking news here, pretty big news. James Paxton, unfortunately this has been a theme throughout his career, microscopic lumbar dissectomy, to, uh, removal of a cyst, and out three to four months. So Yankees wow. dealt a, a blow there with James Paxton. Um, kind of knew that was coming with Paxton, but and that dream of a full Paxton season probably dead now. Um, just given this point in his career, you hate to see it, but at least um, I'm sure some AL teams don't hate to see it. Uh, Will Wilson's actually a guy that I have in my queue in the RDI draft. Not first in my queue, but um, a guy who probably should go in the first few rounds of this draft. Yeah, well, I think he definitely should have gone over Keani Cavaco. I would have taken him over Michael Bush, Hudson Head. I would have taken him over Brett Beatty. So, yeah, I mean, for me, he should have gone higher. I know that that's not necessarily a consensus. He is a better fantasy prospect than a real-life one. Like, he, he's even coming out, like, before he played a pro game, it was kind of like bat first, second baseman. Uh, you hope that he's, you know, a 50 defender at second base, and you, you hope that he has a plus hit tool with plus power. That's that's in play. Uh, so you you definitely would see some of these guys ahead of him on a, on a real-life list, but I, I love the skill set for fantasy. Nice. I'll, t- I'll just go ahead and tell you who I have atop my queue. I'm not really worried about getting sniped, and if I do, um, so be it. Emmanuel Classe. Yep. Yeah. I actually got ahead of feeling. Yeah. I also have Lewis Thorpe in my queue. I'm not really looking to take him this round, but uh, I've seen some buzz on Thorpe, and some, somebody on Twitter was picking him as a sleeper. And I, Anything to like there? Twins Lewis Thorpe? Uh, well, I, I think he's... We talked more, about him a couple weeks ago. He's more ago. interesting to me than Dobnik or Smelter. Like, I think Thorpe at least, you know, lefty with three average or better pitches uh, has had a pretty strong return, missed, missed a bunch of time with injuries earlier in his career, but uh, he's been pretty solid over these last couple seasons. I think it's probably more of like a number four starter type of thing if it all works, but uh, – I'm I'm more intrigued by him than the other guys kind of populating the back of that rotation. And back to the Giants, a guy who lost some of his shine last year, coming up and struggling. Jalen Davis, still optimistic though long term with Davis. Well, I to me he's just he's a guy for 2020, and he's a guy to just keep your eye on because uh, he showed reverse splits in the minors last year. So I, I think that there's I wouldn't rush to just say he's going to be pigeonholed as a short side platoon guy and. I think he was, um, he was like top 90th percentile in in sprint speed. I, you know, has not put that speed to to use much on the bases, but just something to keep in mind with him. Like, you know, if he wrangled an everyday role in that outfield, you know, we know the power's there. He's a big, big time plus power guy. Uh, so, a, you know, a 2010 season doesn't seem ridiculous to me if, if he gets the plate appearances. Yeah. And who could ever think like Alex Dickerson could, get hurt no way i mean who could (laughs) i'm pulling for for alex dickerson but as our outlook says you know if you could turn injuries off maybe a consideration but this (laughs) ain't a video game james anything else you want to mention with the nl west great stuff as always um anybody that we didn't touch on that you want to shout out no i think we we hit on a lot of the key guys uh not going to talk about the second base tiers article that's up on the website i definitely go check that out but i mean we've we've hit on a lot of those guys already in in podcasts this season and 
Uh, we'll hit on the ones we didn't touch on when we get to their divisions. Uh, AL, AL East article coming out uh, tomorrow, and man, I, the first thing I took away from that is the Red Sox system is much deeper than I thought it was. Really? Uh, I was really surprised. Like I, I thought I was going to be writing up like 20 guys. I uh, got into the 30s on the Red Sox, and then huh. the Yankees uh, – incredibly deep i think they're going to be closer to 40 guys in that system that get written up so al alice stays pretty strong uh orioles have a ways to go uh but yeah there's those other systems are pretty loaded yeah and the yankees again we talked about james paxton out three to four months and you know they may be forced to dip into that system pretty early with with paxton out do you think maybe michael king or clark schmidt Jordan Montgomery, who do you think uh, slots in? Uh, you know, Schmidt's not ready. I think he's definitely the best of those guys. Davey Garcia, I guess, maybe. They could they could aggressively assign Schmidt. I think Schmidt could handle AAA right out of the gate this year, so maybe maybe he's just on the fast track. That That would not surprise me. Michael King is probably the most – We'll see where was uh, where's Montgomery in terms of health? Is he just he's coming back up? from Tommy John, right? But yeah, I wasn't sure if he, I think he was pitched a little bit all last the way year. Back. Uh, Only two appearances at the big league level okay. last year. I think to me, Montgomery and Michael King are the two most obvious guys. Uh, both are kind of number four, number five types. But Yankees number four, number fives can sometimes be useful. Uh, you know, DV Davy Garcia, I. I I still think he's a reliever. I think the Yankees know he's a reliever, or at least, at least a multi-inning reliever. Uh, and I just don't. I don't think that they would want him to really have to take that on, especially after he struggled at AAA. So I think it would go to Montgomery or King. Yeah, Domingo Herman, of course, having to serve the rest of his suspension. I bet you know. I bet they'd like to have a guy like Sonny Gray right about now. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad they blew it. Too bad. Well, James, great stuff. I saw a pretty good. Um, request for our hip-hop countdown a, a, a kind of a mc draft yeah but i thought it'd be funny to do like a worst mc try to build like the <laughs> the worst staff we can like picking number who's your no, well you'd have to think about it I just, well, your number one choice first round worst mc draft pick look that would be really funny i know the listeners would get a big kick out of it but i just i don't want i don't want to just bad mouth like you know, a lot of the guys we would be talking about are probably guys that like just you know uh, don't have a ton going on for them right now, and I just don't want it there to be a podcast just making fun of how bad they were at rapping. Yeah, and like the Wednesday afternoon, thinking who's my terrible rapper this week? It's I gotta do I gotta do some research into terrible rappers. It's more fun to talk about like terrible uh, pop songs because those guys like made a ton of money and like are, yeah. are doing okay, uh, except for Ja Rule. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, we'll we'll think about it. I mean, I, I think that the the MC draft has has its merits. We'll think. about Yeah, it. I like the MC draft idea. Uh, we'll get around to it. Uh, I haven't been listening to much as far as hip hop goes. I would recommend that Nas Lost Tapes too, as I've have said you, before. Have you watched the uh, documentary on Netflix at all? Uh, the evolution of hip hop. No, is it good? It's. It's actually really good. Like I, I went in pretty skeptical. My wife made me watch it, and it, it actually they talked to a ton of just absolute studs. They start in the 70s, and they spend 
like four episodes on each decade kind of going through uh, all the Godfathers. Nice. I'll check that out. I really like that Wu-Tang documentary from last oh, yeah. year. Definitely check that out if you that haven't tremendous. already. So. I have not seen the, like, the dr- drama show. I haven't, seen, I haven't either. I've heard the good things, though. And um, a guy here, kind of a generation gap, even though he's like seven years younger than me, Nick Whalen, great guy here, he told me he's really getting into Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. So I love, love to hear that. He got that from that Netflix show. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to check it out now. I told him to check out Eric B. and Rakim, paid in full, if he liked Big Daddy Kane. He told me he skipped the 70s and most of the 80s episode, <laughs> which I was just like, the whole point was to yeah. inform you. You know about this 2000s. Yeah. I keep trying to get him into some old school stuff and a little hard-headed, but I'm the same way with new stuff, so works both ways. James, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.